Welcome to another edition of The Breakdown. And this episode promises to be probably one of our spiciest ones yet. We are sitting down today with the host of the Cross Border Podcast, Chris Brown. Now, Chris is somebody that I, I personally enjoy really listening to his podcast. I think he has some fascinating guests, and I think that his background brings a lot of, a lot of insight to it. Um, but he's also quite the politico. So uh, I am super, super excited to welcome Chris to the show today. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Nate, thank you so much. And first disclaimer, right off the bat, it's the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Just, just to really just poke the bear to start off in the first two minutes. <laughs> Your, CBC did the same thing. Global did the same thing. I, I have to correct it out of the bat. So it's it's the the Cross Border Podcast then. It's, it's officially being rebranded in 2022 to Cross Border Podcast. Let's there do we it. go. See, I fixed it for you. <laughs> Um, so Chris, before we get too far, like I have so many topics that I want to talk about with you. Cause I think it's just going to be a silly amount of fun, but before we get started, uh, in the, the fun stuff, I got to do the, 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 who is Chris Brown and how did you get to the, the cross border interview podcast or the new newly branded cross border podcast? Uh, wow. <laughs> Always. I always hate being on this side of the interview because then I have to talk about myself and anyone who's listened to my show, I usually say a question. And so the person just rants for 20 minutes and it's great. So now I get to rant. So this is going to be fun. Um, uh, as Nate said, my name is Chris Brown. Uh, I, 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 I'm originally from Ontario, moved to Alberta in 2013 after I quote unquote became redundant in provincial politics in Ontario, AKA an election was hap happened and I, my MPP at the time lost their seat. So I became redundant. I worked for a local newspaper in my hometown. After a year of doing that, I said, I'm sort of up in the air here. Uh, let's, let's apply for some jobs at West because I hear that's where all the money you can make is from. So I applied for a job in Thunder Bay, Lloydminster and the, Whitehorse, Lloydminster called me on a Monday. I was there on the Friday. So that's what brought me to Alberta. There's the short story of where, how it brought me to Alberta. The how the cross border interview podcast or cross border podcast as we so rebrand it now. Um, it happened because I was literally living in the border city of Alberta and Saskatchewan, Lloydminster. So there, as a journalist for the Lloydminster Source, I started taking photos. People hired me for photos, so I rebranded myself as cross-border photography. Uh, jumped forward two years, was in Slave Lake, working for the town of Slave Lake at the time. Uh, actually, a few years, 2013 to 2018, so five years later. Uh, the, this whole thing called a podcast craze was really, like, making the rounds, so I decided... I enjoy politics. I enjoy talking. I enjoy interviewing people. And I found that the traditional 15 second soundbite that mainstream media, and I hate using that phrase, uses, wasn't doing the general public a service. So I thought, why not just sit down with guests and have an hour conversation, not edit it, no filter. Whatever happens during the interview happens during the interview. You've been on the show. You know it is unedited. It is what you say is put out there because it gives the listener a chance to hear you. 
jump forward in season one, which was 2018 of August, jump forward to two years later. Season three started in August and I was living in Calgary at the time. So I'd moved from Slave Lake to Calgary. And I thought to myself, well, I'm like many other people who don't have that much to do during a global pandemic. So you sit on your ass all day, pardon my French, and you just sit there and try to figure out what to do. So we went from two episodes a month, two episodes a week in season two to five episodes a week in season three. And our focus was the Calgary municipal election. So our goal was to sit down with all the municipal candidates. <laughs> that was a hard challenge because every day it seemed like someone else was coming out of the woodworks to put their name for it to run. So we started putting these out and people seemed to gravitate towards an unfiltered, unedited interview between two people. That's just a conversation like we're doing right now. So that's where the Crossboard Interview Podcast came from. That was a very good explanation of the, the cross-border interview podcast. Um, but I, I want to get a little bit more about Chris Brown. Because um, I, I feel like you weren't born in 2013 where, you're, where you started that story. <laughs> yes, I was. Come on. Come on. I, I mean, you've, 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 if, if that's the case, then for an, an eight-year-old, you've aged very poorly. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. If you're eight, okay. if you're eight. Okay. okay. I get it. I get it, Nate. We're going there. We're starting with the name, Colin. I feel like it's Twitter. I'll do 140 characters back to you there. Perfect. We'll start a little war. Um, so a little bit, a little bit more of your background, if we could. So my background, uh, originally from Ontario, I went to school for political science at Queen's University. Go Gales. Yes. Uh, for those who are yelling at their screens or yelling at their car radios right now, suck it. Queens is awesome. And it's amazing. I uh, went to political science there and <laughs> I thought to myself, well, I don't really have much I can do here within political science realm because Ottawa, Ontario is a very hard place to break into politically. You say uh, Alberta is, but in Ontario, with the size, the gravitation of how many people are even in the province, it is hard to break into the center of politics, So, which is Toronto, even Ottawa. So I, I, I went, what do I fall back on? So I thought, Let, let's, go, let's go the journalism route, because that would be easy to break into in Ontario. <laughs> I laugh because I love it. <laughs> So I went to Loyalist College, go Lancers. Yes, for those who are yelling at their screens again, Lancers are awesome, Gales are awesome. So as you can imagine, I am from that uh, outside of the GTA for anyone who's listening to the greater Toronto area. So I, I went to school there. I went far enough away that my parents would have to call if they wanted to visit me, but not far enough away that I couldn't come home at Christmas. And look at me now, I'm 3,000 kilometers away from them and I can't come home at Christmas. So I, 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 that's my schooling background, work background. I started in uh, television, working for 630 News in Belleville, Ontario as the journalist. Then I was told I had the face for radio. <laughs> oh, so you go into a radio station. Then you, got the, then you get told you have the voice for print. So you then go to the print. <laughs> so my journey has taken me ups and downs. Uh, after my brief time in radio journalism, I started working for the member of provincial parliament, the minister of agriculture, Leona Dombrowski, who represented the great riding of Prince Edward Hastings. Woo -woo. 
uh, liberal MPP during the Dalton McGuinty phase uh, era. So I did that for nine to 10 months. After that, I lost my job in the 2010, uh, 2011 election, started working for our local hometown newspaper, which is where I picked up where my story started in 2013. So from 2011 to 2013, I was a print uh, journalist in Orno, Ontario, which has a population of 500 people. <laughs> so that yeah, is my story. I knew and, there was more. Me? I knew exactly. there was more. And for those who are listening and don't know, uh, my, I, I'm married. My, my husband is the former minister of uh, culture, tourism, and uh, the Secretariat for Francophone Affairs under Rachel Notley, uh, Ricardo Miranda, met him in 2018 while well, it was uh, 20, 2018, uh, met him up in uh, Slave Lake at a fundraiser and we were married five months later. I didn't realize it was that fast. <laughs> July 4th, we met. October 28th, we were engaged. December 28th, we were married. Who, who asked who? I asked him the weekend of the NDP convention in 2018 in, uh, in Edmonton. Uh, we got home. Uh, I jokingly, and he is going to kill me if he listens to this and he, he hears that I've told this story, but eh, let him try and kill me. It's, it's what we do. Um, I, I jokingly asked him because I, I knew I was going to ask him, but I, I wanted to do it in my way, which was going to be in the legislature while he's in there. I'm in the stadium and I in the in the uh, viewing seats, and I was going to pull at the ring and ask him, sort of mime it to him, but he did not take kindly to a joke that I made where I, I looked him in the eyes that weekend in October and I said, "Honey, would you do me the honor?" of making me a smoothie and he did not take kindly to this comment so uh i i quickly rephrased it and i said honey will you actually do me the honor of hot marrying me and he said yes i told him he could only tell one person which ended up being the entire ndp caucus so my the entire ndp caucus knew before my family <laughs> yet again love you husband please don't murder me <laughs> that's 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 a very bold uh, approach. The the make me a smoothie. I would, would never do it again. Still waiting for that <laughs> smoothie, though. Still waiting for the smoothie, but never doing that again. So, I mean, we we kind of talked a little bit about the 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 what drove the 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 cross border poly, uh, cross border interview podcast. See, it's always been in my head cross border podcast, and now I have to add interview in, and my neuroplasticity is not that strong. So you can just say podcast, just say podcast. Okay. Podcast. Um, it's, it's, it's easy to be a little dismissive about it. The, the way that you almost were, where you were like, ah, it's a podcast. Everyone was doing it, but you, you've put a lot of time and energy and depth into it. And I think I'm going to go ahead and say that, that your journalism background has informed the, the structure. So why do you do it? Oh, wow. Um, I, I mentioned it briefly there for a few seconds, but I'll go into a little bit more detail here. And that is, as a former journalist, especially in Lloyd Minster, I, I found it always infuriating whenever there was a scrum, a media scrum, where all the reporters would get together in a interview subject, with an interview subject, 
And one journalist would only ask questions and all the other journalists would take the audio and run away and do their own feed. And you could tell that the same quote is going to appear in every single newspaper, every single radio station, every single TV station. So I got pissed off at that. And that's why I left journalism in 2015 when I moved up to Slave Lake. And then in 2019, I said, I I like having conversations. I enjoy having conversations. Why not do it, but do it on a more sort of provincial, federal, international level? So I started doing it and I, I, you you started one as well. You, you have the breakdown with Nate Pike. I, you can imagine when you first start doing a podcast, you expect, okay, if I get my partner at the time and like my family to listen, if I get like a thousand hits, like in the first season, like, that's awesome. Like, that's amazing. But people started tuning in. People started listening and i was like okay what is this about so i started doing a little bit more and a little bit more and i i I interviewed subjects from across political lines from uh mps mp mpps mlas uh former uh, ministers and people started to listen so it gave me sort of a boost to continue doing it and I, I, I enjoyed it. And then the comments started to come in because you, you do things and people listen. That's great. But then the comments start coming in. Thank you for this uh, interview. Thank you. I didn't know this about X, Y, and Z about them. So thank you for doing this. And I, it gave me a sense of pride that I was actually trying to change the, the narrative. And anyone who's listened to my show knows that I despise social media with a passion, hate it with a passion, but I have to do it for the show. You have to promote yourself. You have to get people to listen. You, you're able to connect with p- guests, potential guests. So I, I, I wanted to take the narrative of the conversation that people have on social media of hiding behind a fake profile and having an actual conversation between two people. Because in today's world, we are so divided. And if one person can just have a conversation where it opens someone else's mind to a greater dialogue, then I'm, I'm very happy I can do that. that. See, that was a much, much more robust answer than the, the uh, all the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> yeah, but I, how, how do you say all the cool kids are doing it and then say the robust conversation that you need to have in today's world? Then it makes me sound like a like an ass because I'm like, yes, I'm I am so thinking about this in the metaphysical world that we live in. And I'm like, no, I just want to have a conversation. I just want to have a conversation with people. <laughs> and kind of. And this this is the part that's gonna really like, oh. It gets me into places. <laughs> you, you talk to people and you're like, hey, I, I'm on the cross-border interview podcast. Will you come on my show and talk about yourself for 20 minutes? You're like, they're like, sure. You're like, what? <laughs> like Tommy Chong, like the like Cheech and Chong fame. I literally sent him a message. I was like, this isn't gonna happen. He's like, sure. I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Okay, so we'll have we'll have Tommy Chung on our podcast because. I guess that's what media people do. They interview Tommy Chong. But you've had like a lot of, that was one of the things I wanted to get to is that you've had some 
I would argue, very high caliber guests from across a variety of fields because it hasn't just been the the politics show with with Chris Brown like some other hacks do. Uh, it, it you you cover a variety of, of of genres, I guess would be the term. What what makes you pick a guest? Like what makes you say I want to spend twenty minutes talking to that person versus oh my. God, I don't want to spend 20 minutes talking to that person. So, okay, so this is, this is going to shock a lot of people, but I don't care. I don't care who you are. I don't care. You put on your underwear the exact same way. You wipe your ass the exact same way as everyone else in this country. So why not have a conversation? Everyone has a story to tell. You just have to ask the right questions to tell that story. And whether it be a musician, whether it be a politician, whether it be an author, whether it be a comic book artist or a comic book writer, everyone has a story to tell. And yes, there are some weeks when I have to like dig deep to try and find somebody, but there's other weeks where people just come out of the woodworks and say, Hey, I want to come on a podcast and talk. Sure. What do you want to talk about? Let's, let's have a conversation. Might educate me, might educate my listeners, and I am I'm happy that people are willing to have conversations in a world, like I said, where Twitter is the if it doesn't fit into 280 characters, people don't tweet it and they ramble on for two or three paragraphs. I want to have a conversation. And that's where it all comes down to. It's I don't care who you are. Let's have a conversation. OK, who is your favorite guest? Oh, <laughs> So if my husband's listening right now, my husband, totally. The season one premiere of the cross-border interview podcast was my favorite episode of all time. But you know, second, reality, let's, go with, let's go with second favorite. I'll give you the easy out on this one. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna give you the real answer. <laughs> I will give you the real answer. And it's an episode that has not aired yet. It is airing on December 14th. So this is a shameless plug for the cross-border interview podcast, which can be found on any social media platform and any spot, podcast streaming platform. Our favorite guest of all time so far, three seasons, 300 episodes, and it will be the 300th episode that we air, is with former senator for Prince Edward Island, Mike Duffy. In his, wow. first, ev in his first ever interview since leaving politics, Senator Mike Duffy comes on my show and we have a frank conversation and if you want to sit for an hour and a half listening to a man who does not hold back, tune in up December 14th. For anybody who doesn't know why Mike Duffy left politics, could you just color that in a little bit? I would be happy to. So uh, Mike Duffy, uh, I, 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 will be, I will be frank. I, I fangirled over this interview because... I watched Mike Duffy live during my journalism days. Like when I was in class, that's where my five o'clock attention would turn to was Mike Duffy live in the halls of power in Ottawa. So for those who don't know, Mike Duffy is a former journalist on CTV who had Mike Duffy live, who basically sat in the house of commons right after question period and interviewed all these great MPs in 2000 i want to get sure, i want to make sure i get this timeline correct in 2011 the then prime minister stephen harper appointed him to the senate uh, on the recommendation or technically it would be david johnson who appointed him but on the recommendation of stephen harper this is where the story gets good because 
in 2012, it came out that Mike Duffy allegedly didn't have uh, residents in the uh, province, which according to Senate rules, you have to reside in the province that you are representing of PEI. What also I found, it, what also happened was he started claiming allegedly in, uh, inappropriate expenses for, for, from his time in the Senate. So he was charged by the RCMP, him, Pamela Wallen, Senator Pamela Wallen, Senator Patrick Brezzo, all were charged at the same time. They were all turfed from the Conservative caucus. And Mike Duffy was then later found out, found that he did not uh, inexpensively uh, expense money to the Canadian taxpayers. It was all above board. That's what the Supreme Court finding did find out. So we have a conversation about this. And I, I kid you not, Mike Duffy does not hold back against all the journalists, all the politicians he once considered friends in this interview because he he became the poster child of everything the conservatives were trying to fight against the liberals in previous elections. So the conservatives made Mike Duffy the punching bag of ethics violations and kicking him out meant that the conservatives were so above board. So it is a great conversation. And if you do, there, there's a lot more like in like minute details that I did not mention, but please, if you want to hear about it, because he does go on for a long time about it, please tune in. Very cool. I, I will, I'll make sure I listen to that one. Cause that sounds like, that sounds like spicy fun. Um, and, and I, I will preamble it because I do mention this in the interview because in Canadian justice, in our justice system, you are innocent until proven guilty. Mike Duffy became the very first sort of celebrity scandal that Canadian politics had had in a while. And it was guilty until proven innocent. I find that we are moving that way now. Everyone is guilty until proven innocent and not vice versa. If I mentioned that. And yet again, I do fangirl over this interview because it I was honored to have him on the show and to have him choose me as the first interview he gives post politics. It's quite interesting. And he's promised not to do another interview until the new year. So it's like, awesome. That's, that's pretty big get. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Um, And then the episode before that is Leela here. So yeah, Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, but there, there, there's my favorite interview guest that I've had on the show. And I've had others. And if you ask me favorite musician, I could tell you Adam Gregory in season one was great. If you ask me favorite author, um, uh, Selena, who's a former pol- politician as well. Selena Cesar Chavez, the former liberal MP turned independent, had her on the show. So the, it all depends on who you're talking about. But overall, Ricardo Miranda and Mike Duffy. And yet again, my husband will kill me for putting those two names in the same sentence. (laughs) I would be remiss if I didn't ask the opposite question. (laughs) Okay. And I I should have expected this because I I know. (laughs) What was, and I'm not going to say the worst because I don't want you to, I don't want you to. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And if he listens to this, he'll know why. Perfect. So then who was the worst interview? Season three, season three of our inter- in, uh, of our show, we launched a new segment, which was called the Ballot Box, which we interviewed 
federal candidates in Canada for the upcoming federal election because we literally had so many municipal candidates, we couldn't put them in in the appropriate time and still cover both. So we did a new segment called the ballot box and our PPC candidate during the interview, if love them or hate them, they have the right to be a party and they have the right to run candidates across Canada. You cannot hold that against them. After that interview, I said, I'm never having a PPC candidate back on the show ever again, because after the interview, he said things to me that just made me cringe and I will never have them on ever again. And they know why. And I told them that's why. (laughs) So there's my worst interview. Anyone who wants to go back and listen to or look through the catalog and find that episode, go ahead. But he did say some very interesting things right afterwards that made me, my skin crawl. Interesting. Okay. Um, And he took cigarettes. He took cigarettes from my house. Literally, he walked upstairs. He saw a cigarette case. My husband smokes. He saw cigarettes. He opened it up. He took two cigarettes and just left. I was like, okay. (laughs) Thanks. Like, you're- did you did you not like give him a gift bag or something? It was maybe. I guess I I guess that's that's what I have to do for season four is fucking like give people gift bags of of, of two cigarettes. <laughs> exactly. Um. Okay. Now, here's here's the thing, and I'm just gonna get right to it. Um, <laughs> Are we gonna because, rip the bandaid off? Yeah, I'm gonna rip the bandaid off a little bit. Um, you know, I I. I'll, I'll, I'll use myself as an example, which I hate to do, but I think it's a fair way to get into this. Um, what we do here at The Breakdown, it's team effort. Uh, it's volunteer. Um, I, I, I have other things in, in my life that keep me busy. I have other things in my life that, that consume time and energy. Um, but they're not, they're, they're things that I enjoy. And they are things that I choose. You've got this other thing going on in the background. So for those who are listening, the other thing that he mentions is the big C word called cancer. It's a weird concept, but you can say it out loud. It won't offend me. I was going to. Uh, I was getting there. But yeah, you, you, have, you, have, uh, you have a form of brain cancer. I have uh, two tumors, well, technically four now, four tumors on my brain, uh, two on my occipital lobe and two on my temporal lobe. So for those who see me, uh, you realize that I am not driving my car because I cannot see out of my left eye. Uh, I also have done interviews where during the interview, I do not know who I'm talking to, but I'm able to fake it because I'm able to navigate my hopefully the rest of my brain to try to figure out who this is through the interview process so um my memory is going uh, my eyesight's going and i have stage two now cancer on the brain and i'm not sure when this is airing but as of recording i am five days away december 2nd away from getting these tumors cancer removed from me and Dude, you're gonna make me cry. Ah, come on, Chris. I this show. So I was diagnosed in 2020, July 25th, literally my birthday. My birthday last year, I was diagnosed with this cancer, and 
any I, I there are many many people out there who have had had the doctor say the word to the, your face and you you know the 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 moment it happens life changes and it changed for me and I, I got told some great advice from my father the day after I told him. He said, find something you like to do and continue to do it. Because he, if if I was to sit in my bed, which there were days in the last few months, in the last 20 months, that I wanted to. I wanted to sit in my bed and not do anything. And it would have killed me to do that. So I... I found something that I love, which is the show and talking to people and I, I do it and I continue to do it because people send messages of thanks for that interview. Thanks for this, that, the other. And it, it gives me some positivity in my life that I don't have any right now. So the reason why I wanted, wanted to talk about that a little bit is because, and I'll do the, I'll do the full disclosure piece on my end, uh, even though I'm sure that most of, of the audience of the show is, is aware of it. Um, I, I just recently got my ass kicked in a municipal election. Um, and it was, I, I had been aware of the, the cross-border interview podcast. Uh, I'm not going to keep saying it like that for the rest of the show. Um, but <laughs> uh, I had been aware of it for pretty much since it started, because very early on, you interviewed a MLA and a political, political party uh, named Karen McPherson. Uh, and because I was sort of loosely in Karen's orbit at the time, I was like, oh, I'll listen to that. Uh, and so I was aware of the cross-border interview podcast. Um, but the endeavor that you took on during the municipal election, and you kind of talked about it earlier, but it was so impressive to me. And I'm going to, I'm going to pump your tires a little bit here. So just bear with it. Um, but it was so impressive to me that somebody, that was no small endeavor, as you said. Uh, it was, I can only imagine how much work it was, how, and, and it's really important to realize that especially, and I would wager, especially for somebody like you, you're doing some research before you have these conversations. And so it's not just the process of, we're going to have the conversation and then we'll just send it up because you do some, some editing stuffs. You, you do some, some, and I know this because I saw my clips, uh, <laughs> but you, there's, there's a lot more work that goes into the production of even a single episode of, of a podcast and especially a podcast that's not just doing the audio stuff. You're doing the video stuff as well. It's not just, Oh, that was a fun hour and a half. There you go, Ether. Uh, it's a lot more work than that. And to do that with as many candidates in the municipal election as you did is a tremendous endeavor. And it blew me away that somebody who, somebody would take on a project of that size on a good day when, when things are, when the machine's running at its peak. But for somebody to take on a project of that enormity while they are also dealing with fighting cancer. Uh, and particularly, I mean, you, you said it yourself and I remember, and I hope it's okay that I say this, but I remember when we had our conversation, uh, you were very candid about the fact that you, you might 
fall in and out of things, for lack of a better term. Um, there is a passion and a, and a commitment to um, having robust conversations, I'll say. And I'm only using the word robust because I just finished recording an episode on curriculum, so that word is in my head way too much right now. Um, uh, but there's a passion to do that that I find not only fascinating uh, and intriguing, but but quite frankly, inspiring. And that's one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you on the show was was to talk about that. Because, it's, I, I mean, you're very good at the, oh, we're just... We're just fucking around here, uh, sort of dismissive of, of what you're doing here. But it is it is no small thing. Um, and so I, I really appreciate you sharing the the story about your dad and, and the comment, because that that snaps things into very, very sharp focus. <sighs> so. The, the the tea is going to be spilled in this episode about my my process so at the beginning of season three yes i did research on some of these candidates i did research on yourself i did research on the probably the first probably the, the first 20 episodes of the season and things then went haywire because i was planning on not being not having episodes in september and october but Something happened in September and some surgeries got canceled and postponed. So I then had to sort of play. I'm sitting here and I'm doing nothing. And I did not have interviews ready for this. So I have to now play catch up of the rest of the, the rest of the next few months. So by about September 9th, the, 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 the Friday after the long weekend, I had a week's worth of episodes left and that was going to be it. And I didn't know what was going to happen. So I, I frantically as much as you can be under the situation of having your surgery for your removal of your cancer postponed. I frantically started asking candidates to come on the show and my, my research and my ability to dive into information basically went out the door and I apologize for anyone who came on the show after that, because there was about a three week period where I did interviews with people who I did, I knew their name. I knew their email address because it was on the elections Calgary website. And I knew what ward they were running in and I was able to bullshit my way through it. But at the same time, I learned a lot about the candidates and there were some candidates during those times that were really good interviews. There was one in particular that I think I asked five things and the candidate spent an hour and a half talking about something I don't remember because I, he was so long winded. I, I, I tried to do my research, but sometimes I couldn't. So I, I do apologize to the candidates who I weren't able to, I wasn't able to, but, but hindsight's 50, 50. Okay. Um, so Here's where I'll pivot away from from the heavy stuff uh, and move to the other heavy stuff. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not going to talk. We're not going to talk about the debate slash forms. Come on. Those were the fun things that okay, became an entity of their own because people, I don't know why, did not focus in on the ward candidates during this municipal election. 
I still hold it against CBC, Global, CTV for not doing their jobs, Calgary Herald, Calgary Sun, for not doing a better job covering the ward debates. There are 15 people on that in that council. 15 elections happened. Not one, 15. Where was the media? And when I got approached by a, a, a ward 11 candidate to host a debate, I said, sure. But in the back of my head, yes, I wanted to do it because I, I, I wanted to do it, but I didn't know where my surgery was going to be. So two birds, two birds, one stone, I'll do it. But where were, where were the other media? So why is it why why does it have to come down to the guy who's fucking struggling with cancer to put on these debates? And yet global CBC, you did great covering my story, and I appreciate that. But why why weren't you covering the, the actual wards? Like why am I the story when there are wards and there are candidates in each ward that had very very suspicious, weird opinions on how this city should have been running. I, I think the media fell down and I saw a way that I could potentially help people get informed. And those debates, while they were a pain in the butt, I, I, I will do them again. But next time I'm making sure I have a team of people instead of one person doing them. So I... I give credit for the candidates who are able to come out and do those debates with me in the forums or however you want to call them. But at the same time, I, I chastise the media who didn't do their job. And I, I, I feel like even the independent newspapers out there or the independent online news are doing the exact same thing that the mainstream media news is doing. And I hate using that phrase, but we need to change and I'm hoping to change it. And that's what I'm hoping to do with my show. So there's there there's the encompassing. There's there now you got me on a roll here. Sorry. That's what I was after. So let's get into that a little bit because you have you have worn both hats. You have been part of the the air quotes mainstream media. You have now you are now your your own form of independent media. Where is I mean, one of the fascinating things that we keep, I had a conversation with a friend a couple of days ago where we were talking about the whole, the whole nature of, of media. And one of the fascinating things that came up in the conversation was the idea that the, the right don't trust the mainstream media anymore uh, because, I don't know, reasons, I guess. Um, well, no, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be fair. Because the mainstream media... And I hate that phrase so much because it makes me sound like Keen fucking Bexty. But um, the mainstream media does often get a lot of things wrong. And they don't do a great job of saying, yeah, we crapped the bet on that one. Um, and because of that, both the left and the right largely dismiss them. And, you know, as, as with all things, nature abhors a vacuum. And so there's a variety of different independent media things that that fill that void i would argue organize like shows like yours definitely fill fill that void to some degree I, on the other end of the 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 horrible spectrum the we have the rebel and true north who also fill that void and i think that because people fundamentally distrust the mainstream media 
we see people getting drawn to all of those different media outlets. What's what's your from from your experience as somebody who's played in both sandboxes? What's your what's your take on that? Well, you have to remember, I've played in all three sandboxes. I haven't been just in the mainstream media and the independent news. I've also been a candidate, municipally yeah. and federally. So I've played all three rounds. And um, I, I, I will start with the media perspective. I've had weeks of the show where I've been called a commie and a liberal hack and a conservative uh, like PR man all in the same week. Because... I will have people on my show who may look at your John Carpe. I can imagine that you probably didn't take too like there was probably a lot of people saying, why did you have someone like that on your show? There was some conversation. But here's the question. Why not? When did we become a, a divided city and a divided province and a divided country? Why can't like, I'm sorry, but why can't, Rachel Notley, Jason Kenny, go out to dinner one night, sit down, have a civil conversation. When did we become such a divided city, a divided people that were afraid to have a conversation? And I, 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 I hit back at everyone who calls me, who says I shouldn't have people on my show. Then start your own show. Do your own thing. Like, I'm sorry, but I will have whoever the hell I want to have on. And I will do my interviews the exact same way. I will be nice to them. I'll be cordial. Yes, I'll ask some hard-hitting questions. Sometimes I will let some people slide because we have a certain amount of time and I want to make sure we get enough in. But at what point in time do, do we have to look at it as a, as a benefit to our community that people are willing to have these conversations, that are willing to go across quote unquote, party lines and have the conversations. So I agree. I will be also critical on the fact that there are some media organizations in this city, in this province, in this country who have a slant on their editorial reporting. So they're, they're journalists who probably are the most fairest people in the world, probably do cover it, the cover the news in a fair and uh, passionate way. But because their editorial board is very one-sided, it, it gets labeled as a conservative or a liberal or an NDP hack. So I've taken myself out of that realm. Yet again, my the, the idea of going independent is hard because sometimes you do not make the money you, you should for pumping out the content you should. But you have to... You have to do what you believe in in, in, in in your heart is the right thing to do. And I said this during the debates and the forums. Vote for the person that best represents your values and your morals. If your values and your morals are, I'm going to attack everyone under the bus, then do it. I don't give two craps. But my values and my morals is having a conversation with everyone and just having that conversation in an open and transparent way. And you can't come at me and say, I've edited it because... Where did I edit? This is the exact conversation that we've had. So I, I just, I, I find from a media's perspective that we are so divided and the media has found a way to wedge themselves into that divide. And I, 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 I pray that we can hopefully get back to the normal, but normal is no longer there. And this did not start with Donald Trump. Let me put that out there on the record right now. Donald Trump exposed it. But people were divided already 
We just are now able to openly to be divided. And I'm taking that away. And I am not Donald Trump. I will be open with that. I want to just have a conversation. So I don't care who you are. Let's just have a conversation. Yeah. So you bring up a very interesting point, because one of the things that that I wanted to get your perspective on is I think that there's different ways to have different conversations. So, for example, there are ways to have conversations that that have some nuance and that provide people the opportunity to either clarify their positions or, or quite frankly, hang themselves. Um, and, you know, we maybe have done a couple of interviews with those Carpe. things. You know, I must say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think that there's a very fine line between having those nuanced conversations and the, the manipulation uh, of people. I mean, we certainly have, you talked about the, the manipulation of the electorate does not, it, it did not start nor end with Trump. Uh, it certainly predates it. There are entire um, groups of people who strategize the best ways to manipulate the electorate. How do you how do you navigate that? Like, how do you how do you make sure that the conversations that you're having aren't um, providing a platform for people to do that kind of strategic manipulation? Why why should it be my job to do that though? That that's the question that I have to follow back on is if someone wants to come on my show and blow smoke up my ass for an hour and a half and 20 minutes or 45 minutes, depending on how length of the conversation, it's not up to me to tell the general public that what this person has said is wrong. It's the general public's decision of here was the question unedited, unfiltered. Here's what they responded to. I I hope that we have an educated electorate may not be the best in some places, but I hope that we have an educated electorate. I hope when people listen to my shows, they realize that this person who's on my show is probably going to come from a liberal or an NDP or a conservative slant, and they're going to have to digest that. Yes, I will follow up with questions, but I'm not there to say, you didn't answer the question. Yes, I've said that a few times, but why is it my responsibility as the the host of the show to be combative because it doesn't get anywhere because then that then that person gets combative, the guest gets combative, and then it becomes a shit show of two people just yelling at each other and we could have just done that on Twitter. Let's have a civil conversation. Let's have a civil conversation. And I will be happy to have that Twitter fight on, on Twitter with you if you want. But I, I don't try to go with the policy questions. I don't try to go in the hard hitting like, so you said this on June 25th on Twitter. And here's the tweet. What did you mean about that? What does that get? What does that get the general public? Who is the person? <laughs> this is why I wish I had Sean Chu on our show. If Sean Chu is listening to this right now, please reach out to me and I will please come on the show because we now (laughs) I'm going to get you are going to get hate mail for this for anyone who's listening. What Sean Chu did was horrendous point end of sentence. No buts. What's the purity test now? I want all the other 14 counselors and mayor to release their police records to show what they've done in their past. If they have nothing to hide, 
that should not be that hard. We should be worrying about that. We should be worrying about who these people are. Their views are their party's views, their personal views. That's great. Who are these people? Who are the people that we are electing? And that's where my show comes in. It's not about if you're going to blow smoke up my ass, go for it. Good. But who are the people we are electing? Who are these people? And that's what I tried to do in season three. And yes, we had great conversations and we had some good conversations with some good candidates. But now we have now figured out municipal politics. You don't get vetted. There's no party that is vetting you for this job. That is the people. And the people have voted. hundred more people than DJ Kelly voted in Ward 4 for Sean Chu. Let's let's change it. Let's change the rules of how we elect our people. Let's let's go to Minister McIver and say we want an actual open vetting process for all the candidates where they have to show their police record. They have to show X, Y, and Z, not just the fact that you have to be over the age of 18 and a resident of Canada. Let's stop that. Let's change the law. Wow. <laughs> so here's a question then. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna poke the bear a little bit on this one because I'm 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 already committed to 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 <laughs> the shitstorm that this is gonna kick off. So let's 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 go all in. Again, again, what he did was horrendous. I lost a loved one to drunk driving. If there's one counselor who has been charged with drunk driving on that council, I want them to resign tomorrow. If you drink and drive, you should be out of it. As an EMS person, you know the fact that people die on a regular basis for drunk driving. If there's one person on that council, if there's one member of their staff who has drank and drove, I want them fired tomorrow. This is stupid that we have one person right now, and yet again, his, his horrendous what he did. I, I know people who have been assaulted. Myself, as a younger person, has been assaulted as well. But we have now a purity test that each of the counselors now have to address, and they have to do it in an open and transparent way. If they do not, Stephen Carter, if you're listening to this, where's your police record? Why is the focus of the conversation... On no, but I think you raise a very good point. Uh, but why is the focus of the conversation on the? It seems like to me that wording your question correctly. Good job. Well, you know, um, it seems like to me that the focus is on the Sean Chu and the bad things Sean Chu did, and the the important conversation to me would be more or less exactly what you just said. What are the systemic issues that led to this? How can we create systemic change to prevent or at least mitigate this from happening as easily? And yet all of the councillors, including our mayor, seem to be focused entirely on, no, 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 no. I want to talk about Sean Chu. And why do you think that is? It's not talking about their record. It's not talking about the fact that we've just declared a climate emergency and our administration doesn't know what a climate emergency means for the city. It doesn't talk, we don't talk about the 3.9% tax increase that we now have for the city of Calgary for next year. This is a conversation that is easier to have than potentially having the hard hitting question of we have counselors who refuse to 
give money to the Calgary Police Services because it, there was no transparency. They voted against that proposal to increase the Calgary Police Service. But yet at the end of the day, they went and voted for the budget. It's easier to have the conversation about Sean Chu when you don't have to look at your own record. John Carlo Carra, Councillor Carra, can you explain to me why you voted against a motion to raise money for the Calgary Police Service, but then turned around and voted for that same budget that has that had that increase? If I had morals, I would have stood up and said, I cannot vote for this budget because of X. And you have not come out and said why you voted for the budget that increases the police service budget, but you, you, you've, you're still talking about Sean Chu. Let's, let's talk about things that are affecting me right now. My, my taxes are being increased next year. You, you were against increasing the budget. Why'd you vote for it then? So this gets into a bigger, bigger conversation. I think that's worth having because it seems like I've just lost any chance of having any of those counselors on the show ever again. <laughs> I don't know. You might be surprised. We just had Leela here on our show, and I, I thought it was a very good conversation. But if somebody had told me, despite the fact that we've been inviting them since 2019, that we would have, uh, we would actually have a UCP MLA agree to come on the show. Uh, up until a month ago, I would have said, oh, you've been drinking. Uh, so <laughs> uh, you, you, you never know. But it does, it does bring up the, an important question. It seems like we have this culture in politics where you, the most performative candidate, the candidate who puts on the best show, is going to be the one who gets elected and stays elected as opposed to the candidate that's going to do or, or the politician or whatever term we want to use that's that's going to do substantive governance work. I mean, I take a look at and this is not for the record sour grapes. Um, I, I, I am 100 percent convinced that I dodged a bullet in a big way, like full out neo style. Um, but it seems like we have this this glut of councillors right now, in Calgary at least, and I would even extend it to the provincial government. I, I think that there are provincial politicians on both sides of the aisle that put more effort into the performance than they do the, the work of governance, or at least modeling the work of governance. Why, why, why is that a thing, and why do we keep making it a thing? Because it's easy. That sounds lazy. It is. We have a lazy electorate. We have 50% of the people who did not vote in the last election. In Northeast Calgary, 20% of the population came out and voted. People don't care. People don't care about governance. They care about the name. And, and I hate to put it that way, but <laughs> how, how, how else do you explain people being disenfranchised about voting and getting out and vote? It just, it's the way the world works. We, we have a system that is rigged against people. But is that like an, are we like into an infinite feedback loop now? Where? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, we, we, we have, there's no way we can change this. No way. <laughs> people who get elected aren't going to go, Justin Trudeau, this is the last election we'll have on first past the post. Well, we just got elected by first past the post. So maybe we don't change it. Okay. 
every single one of these counselors who want to change to a potential new way of voting, they won't do it because they just got elected. They get elected by the system that we have put into place. And the media, God bless them, they are great. And there are some great reporters out there have done a great job trying to hold them to account. But that doesn't play well in the narrative of the media. What plays well is Sean Chu. <laughs> what plays well is how... Uh, I'm going... Oh, that's, oh, you almost had me saying something that would... We, we, have, we, have, we have a media that likes to show Jody Gondek with rollerblades. Understandable. That's great. That's awesome. I appreciate the fact that she's supporting the local. Why isn't anyone still asking the questions, though? We still have a budget that just got passed and we had one news story out of it. That's it. We, we have people who run for council who promise the world, but once they get in there, the system is built in a way that allows them to stay hidden. <laughs> well, it seems like, I, I mean, more i would i'm not sure argue. if that answered your question but i apologize i think it kind of did but i mean one of the things that's that struck me between this council and the last council is the last council was the most divisive council ever and boy you can tell there's a team on this council <laughs> okay oh nate you just poked the bear in an epic way we are a month into this there okay, there will be a farkas to the Nenshi. There will some someone will come out of the woodworks and be the far the farkas to Mayor Gondek. I don't know who it is now. I have my suspicions on which one it's going to be, but I'm holding my nose and I'm waiting to see what happens. A month after people get elected, people are ooh, kumbaya, we're awesome, we're amazing, we all get along. But in reality, you don't think there's there's people in that progressive group that got elected that's already being divided. Heck, Calgary Future even sees it. Calgary Future on their social media, contact your counselor to make sure they approve this increase to the budget. Because they're realizing that maybe some of the candidates that they backed weren't the best candidates that they should have backed. So there is a divide that's coming. We are just in the honeymoon phase right now and i don't expect that honeymoon phase to end until probably next year okay um i would be Dwayne bratt eat your heart out i'm coming for your job on ctv <laughs> no one's ever gonna hire me for that job i can tell you that much right now um i'm having i'm having a lot of fun so i'm just gonna keep poking the bear a little bit uh go for it Usually I'm the one who's shut up, so that's why my opinions never matter. Are you are you are you happy or sad to see Matt Wolf go? I don't okay. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people who are like, ooh, Matt Wolf was like the spokesperson for Premier Kenny. And this is this is gonna piss off the left that I'm about to say this. When, when my surgery was canceled, I didn't blame Jason Kenny. I didn't blame Matt Wolf. I didn't blame the UCP caucus for my surgery getting canceled. I blame the assholes who didn't get vaccinated, who are now in the hospital because they're taking up beds. So I, Rachel Notley wouldn't have done a better job getting this pandemic under control. It's, it's what it is. When Matt Wolf announced, or it was announced that Matt Wolf was leaving, I was like, so how does that affect my life? Well, yeah, but you don't hang out on Twitter very much. 
No, I don't because I have a life to live and I have fucking cancer I'm battling. Like, I'm sorry, but if Twitter is your whole life, you need to get a new life, people. Like, the, the fact that our politicians are now tweeting policy like Donald Trump did should alarm everyone. Jason Kenney, and it's not him. I guarantee he probably does not know what the fuck Twitter is. But he's put they're putting stuff out on his, like, hey, Joe Biden, this is awesome. Okay, how does that affect me, Jason Kenney? Jason Kenney, please explain to me how a meme that Joe Biden will not see affects me. <laughs> so this is going to be like a three-part episode. <laughs> like Chris- no, this is, this is, I think this is, this is just going to be a whole one shot. And uh, it's, it's definitely, I think, the spiciest episode that we've done yet, which is what I was honestly hoping for anyways. So that's cool. Um, I, so I, I, so for those who are listening right now or watching this, or, uh, I've only listened to your show. I've never watched your show. So I can say that I, for those who are listening to this, I've been dealt a shitty hand for the last year and a half. July 25th, I, my whole life changed. I have cancer. I have no use of my left eye. I've had two attacks during this episode where I've not been able to move my hand. It's come and gone, and we, we, we continue to move forward. I, the world that we live in is so me-centric. It's so, it's all about me. Me, me, me. And Twitter has been a place where people just seem to shit the bed when it comes to someone else's opinion. And I'm sorry, but... You're not that important, and I'm not either. <laughs> like, I put my underwear on the same way that you do. I, I wipe my ass the same way you do. Um, Matt Wolf does the exact same thing. Okay, he's on Twitter, and he, he t- yells at people. So how does that affect you? How, like, are you that hurt by a tweet that, oh, my God, we all have to end this conversation now because Matt Wolf has tweeted something, and we're all, we're all embarrassed now. The pandemic's over. Yeah, because he thought we all thought the pandemic over was over. I, I, I just don't understand where why we, we live in a Twitter world right now where there's bigger issues to fry than Twitter. Okay. <laughs> um, As you post this on Twitter for people to listen, thank you for tuning in to the breakdown with Nate Pike. <laughs> I was just going to say that's 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 how we get a lot of our audience but it's how I, I do too don't get me wrong I, I think that I think that the way that I I know that you're not a big fan of social media but the way that I try to look at social media is I think that it's it's it, it, it's a tool and it it all depends on how the person who wields it and I would argue that a big part of the reason why why Matt Wolf was so uh so many people had so much disdain for him was because he used it very much as a weapon. I mean, he 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 doxed people. He posted pictures of people's kids. Um, he he did he did some some very very bad bad things. And and there's lots of people who utilize social media in that way. But I do think that there's uh, the potential within social media, depending on how the person who's wielding it chooses to wield it, to use it to have conversations i will agree that social media can be it's a double-edged sword no matter what yeah. how how i look at it it is a double-edged sword i wouldn't have my listener base if i didn't have social media 
pure and simple. If I would have just posted it up and just hoped that people got to it, wouldn't be talking right now. We would not be having this conversation. But what I can say is Matt Wolf's not the only person in politics that does that. There are people on the right or on the left in the, in the Alberta NDP who do the exact same thing. It's the blinders that people put on that it's right versus left. It's because the right did it, we're more upset. Case in point, 2019 federal election. And yet again, you've said in our pre-interview, I really have a hate on for Justin Trudeau. And this is why. Justin Trudeau was announced, it was, it was revealed that he did blackface, not once, not twice, but three times. The left, well, while he apologized, that's great. We've, we're moving on from that. We took more offense that a conservative leader was American than we did the fact that Justin Trudeau did blackface. Where is our priorities here? Like, I know yet again, we're going down a rabbit hole of epic proportions. And literally this conversation started with Matt Wolf and we're talking about blackface now. This is the way the, the, the breakdown works. Like I literally guess we are breaking down what this means. We need to have one rule and it can't be different for the conservatives and the NDPers or the liberals or the Alberta party. We need one rule for everyone. If you get canceled, you don't get to come back. And yes, I've been canceled and anyone who's seen my, like who, who has Googled me in my life knows that I've been canceled. So let's have it out. Let's have this conversation out, but let's have a rule for everyone and not just a select group of people. So with that being said, I mean, you, you bring up a really interesting point to me, which is the idea that it seems like both both sides of the spectrum or whatever we want to call it, they they really like the rules when it applies to them. I mean, I I I think you, you have literally just hit a, a top, a literally a sentence that every indigenous person in Canada today is having that the rules only apply when it benefits the settlers. And uh, we have a great, that's the only reason I say that's because we literally just recorded an episode where someone went on for 20 minutes about that subject. So yes, continue. Oh, no, I, uh, I was, I was just going to say like, there's, there's no shortage of examples uh, where, you know, people will say, yeah, Oh, 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 come on, oh, come on. You go. Let me let me take this one. You go. Every counselor. Oh, okay. The counselors who are coming out against Sean Chu right now, this yet again, going back to Sean Chu here, who supports the NDP. I ask one question to you. Wasn't there a sexual allegation towards two male MLAs during the NDP's government? That was a hidden investigation. Why did you take money from the NDP? Why did you take their lists? Why did you take their contact information for donors during the municipal election if you were so enraged about sexual allegations? Everyone does it. You can't have two separate rules. Sean Chu is more right. I think anyone will agree with that. Everyone will agree with that statement. You can't say... In one hand, what Sean Chu has done is bad. And then the other hand, have your hand out 
for the Alberta NDP asking for money, asking for donors. And yet again, this is Chris Brown saying this is not Ricardo Miranda. Please know that. This is Chris Brown. My husband does not know that I'm saying this right now, and I guarantee he will have a very strongly worded conversation with me after this. But morals is one thing that we need to change in this world, and our elected officials have forgotten that. Where is that investigation that happened in 2019? What came of it? Are those two MLAs still in office? Are they out of office? Let's have that report. Then I will say the NDP have a right to comment on issues that are of a sensitive nature. Double standard, epic proportions. That that sounds like work, though. And you just finished saying that, that politicians like it easy. Exactly. Exactly. Because they and we like to forget. The general public likes to forget, too. John Carlo, like the 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 councillors and mayor who were hitting this drum about Sean Chu know that in six months time, there will be something else that comes out and it will be the topic of the day. Case in point, I think it was May of this year, we had 215 children discovered at a residential school buried in unmarked graves. That number is over 7,000 now. But the general public, the media, don't care. It's not sexy anymore. So we don't talk about it anymore. Where is the outrage? I'm still outraged. But it seems like people just don't care. We had, literally, the only reason I'm mentioning this is because we, I had a great conversation with someone who is pissed off to no extreme right now because it's happened. We have forgotten and we don't care. And the, cons- the counselors know that our, uh, our, our attention span as a general public and as a media is 15 seconds. If you can't do it in 15 seconds, what's your elevator pitch? You, you know it, point blank. As a former candidate, you have 15 seconds when you knock on that door or when you approach someone to pitch yourself. After 15 seconds, someone has tuned out. That's probably why I lost. <laughs> oh, I lost because I was a liberal running in Northern Alberta. So that's where you and I could just work together there. See, my, my whole thing, and this is why we do long form here. Uh, my whole thing is because if, if 15 seconds is not enough. And any, I understand that that's the, the standard and everything. But 15 seconds is not enough, not nearly enough. To, to get into what's actually going on. And this is why, well, I mean, earlier when I was talking about that nuance versus manipulation and communications, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because I think that if, if you're in a position of, of influence or leadership and you choose to go that 15 second route, you're making things worse. Who is the influence though? Who who are the people that people are looking to? Yet again, we, you and I, are both of uh, I would say of a privileged uh, area where we have a show that we can have that conversation. But why why is it to us to do that? Why is it to us to have that conversation? Why can't counselors and the the media have this conversation on a regular basis? 
why do we why why is it that we are now in an area that podcasts are where you have to get your news and your conversations i don't know the answer to that question <laughs> i don't either and if anyone does please send us a message i would love to have that conversation my 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 other point is the social media influencers I don't get them. I don't understand them. I don't understand how, like how you become a social media influencer. Someone on my someone who I interviewed after the episode aired, she uh, they said, "You're an influencer now." It's like, what? No, I'm not. I'm a person. I'm a person who just puts out a show every day at eight o'clock in the morning on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcast. Shameless plug, yes. But why? Why? Why, why, what, like, I, 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 I weep that in about 15 years, podcasts are going to be the thing of the past. And there's going to be some other new venue that we have to learn. I still haven't learned TikTok. I refuse to learn TikTok. I don't so bad get TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> God, anyway. Well, but when it comes to influence and narrative, politicians and journalists know that you have a short span of time to deal with it. And I'm glad that there's people like yourself out there who do the long formats as well, because the long formats educate, help understand. And you and I both have the details. Like you could tell how long people are listening to episodes. I don't even look at it. Oh, I do, because I want to know. I want to know where my listeners are coming from. And we have listeners from across the country who listen to episodes for a long period of time. Because I think there is a desire to get away from that 15-second soundbite, from that elevator pitch. And I hope, I hope, I pray, and I'm not a religious man, that we can do that. Well, I think that you do it incredibly effectively on your show. And the, the thing that I would, would say comfortably, um, and I'm just going to be very blunt, and if I offend, I apologize in advance. If the guy who, as you said yourself, can't use his hands multiple times during the conversation because of his brain cancer, is able to put this much effort into having conversations not only with with our show on this one instance but regularly on his own show because he believes that's what we need to do then holy crap you've taken away so many excuses for people who just simply choose not to show up and i think that's awesome <laughs> I, I i made an effort like I, I i knew like i've always voted i've always voted but this is this is the shocking alert here I've only voted for myself. So I've voted in every single election, but I've only voted for myself. <gasps> what do you mean, Chris? What do you mean by that? <laughs> every time I've appeared on the ballot, I've only marked one X. Every other ballot I've ever gotten, I've marked multiple Xs. <laughs> because as, and this, this goes back to a comment that uh, a CNN reporter uh, Mr. Anderson Cooper, yet again, Mr. Anderson Cooper, if you're listening to this, please hey, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the show. He says he doesn't vote. He covers the media. He covers politicians. And he does. He believes it would be a disservice 
for him to go out and vote for one person over the other and then turn around and tell somebody, so what do you feel about this? What are you doing about this? So I, 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 I have taken that to heart because I, I have talked to politicians of the conservative, the Greens, the Liberals, the centrist party. Yes, there was a centrist party candidate here in Calgary. Uh, the Animal Protection Party, the NDP, the Liberals. And I've, I, I have a conversation with them because you, you need to be able to trust the person that you're listening to. And if anyone wants to accuse me that, oh, no, you don't do that, I've illegally taken a photo of my ballot every election, so I will send them to you if you want me to fucking show you that I've never voted. <laughs> so I, I, I try to make an effort to go and vote. If I can vote with cancer, with no use of my arm, and there are 50% of the population who said to themselves on election day in the municipal election, ah, it's just a little too hard for me, then don't complain. I do not want to see you on Twitter. I do not want to see you on Facebook. I do not want to see you anywhere complaining. The city of Calgary made it easier this election than any election I've ever seen to vote. You could have voted by mail. You could have voted advanced votes. You could have voted anytime, but you chose not to. So do not complain for the next four years at all. If I see you, I will ask you, did you vote? Oh, no. Then stop talking about this issue. You don't get to vote. You don't get to complain if you don't vote. I only have a couple more questions and I'm going to let you go. Um... I, I, it's the it's Saturday before Hanukkah, so like I, I'm 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 yours until whenever you're done with me, dude. <laughs> Perfect. Um, at this point in the game, what do you see happening? What what's the what's the big provincial politics issue you think you think people should be paying attention to? Because we know it's not Matt Wolf. It's not Jason Kenny either. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. This pandemic, as much as people are still scared, and I agree, you should be. I'm. I'm. I'm cautiously optimistic. This Omicron or Megatron new Delta new variant of COVID nineteen that has been discovered in South Africa doesn't come to this country. It probably will. Let's be honest, but I'm hoping, I'm I'm praying to Iron Man that it doesn't. The Avengers, if you're out there right now, Thanos, let's let's snap this out of existence. If the next year, in the next year, people, people have already started this. People are getting sick and tired of the COVID-19. If there is a large portion of the population who just say, screw it, we're getting back to normal as much as normal can be. The economy's rebounding. Oil is supposed to be up next year. If that's the trajectory that this province is going, Jason Kenney is cruising for victory in 2023. Jason Kenney, and yet again, you're probably, your listeners are probably, <laughs> are probably screaming right now if they haven't been screaming for the last 20 minutes. Jason Kenney will be premier in 2023 and 2024 and 2025. Yes, there will be a different makeup. I think the Alberta party is going to make some inroads. I think the NDP are going to make some inroads as well. 
I think Jason Kenny is still going to hold on to that rural base and Southern Calgary. That's where I think it's going to be one. And if the economy stays where it's going, smooth, not, not making too much uh, waves, if people start living their lives with the Delta variant, with COVID-19, with the Megatron variant, then Jason Kenny's going to win. The unknown in this is, and this is the big unknown, Stampede 2022. If Jason Kenny makes the same mistake that he did in 2021, he has a harder chance, but I don't think he's going to. I think he is so gun shy right now when it comes to COVID-19 that he is going to play it safe for 2022 because it's going to win him re-election in 2023. Interesting. I, 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 and Again, Chris Brown saying this, the host of the Cross-Border Interview Podcast, the editorial political science guy. The NDP have some soul-searching to do. They are right now two for two, zero for two, for re-electing former MLAs. Brian Malkinson, Calgary Curry, Maria Fitzpatrick, Lethbridge East, both went down in flames. They, I shouldn't say flames, Brian Malkinson, there was only one other person running against them. And Maria Fitzpatrick, there was three other people. And I don't know what order that was, but they didn't win. That's the case in point. Is this the new, new Democrats? And that's where I want to know. If the new Democrats can shed the federal NDP hate that a lot of progressives are starting to deal with, uh, starting to come out of the woodworks and attack them, then the Albert NDP have a chance of surviving. But there's a lot of people pissed off at Jagmeet Singh right now in the NDP camp over the uh, First Nations Wet'suwet'en, I apologize if I pronounced that wrong, uh, First Nations and the pipeline going through it. And the RCMP going in and forcibly removing the uh, the chiefs. I think he and arresting journalists. Let's not and arresting. Yes, that's that's true. Yes, if that's if if progressives are starting to look at other options than the NDP, because you have to remember here, and this is the thing that I think the media is sort of dropping the ball. The Alberta NDP bought the pipeline that is currently going through. They are literally the ones who bought the pipeline that is now being such a controversial issue. Uh, the provincial council uh, released a statement of uh, support for the people of the Wet'suwet'en uh, First Nation, but you have to remember the Alberta NDP bought the pipeline. <laughs> like, so I, I'm looking at the progressives. I'm looking at where they go. Do they go to the Alberta Party? Do they go to the Green Party? Do they go back to the Liberal Party? I don't know because the Liberal Party is in shambles right now. I don't know if they have a leader. And I know John has tried his best, but I, I don't even know what John Rat, the new interim leader, looks like. Yeah. I've asked him on the show like three or four times and no one from his office seems to get back to me. Uh, Barry Morishita is well liked with the municipal levels. And I think that's 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 what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Barry for the Alberta Party. I'm looking at where the progressives go. And I'm looking at, CMP 2022. Interesting. <laughs> what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Oh, am I, I, 
Am I out to left field on that one? I'm going to throw the question back at you. What are you looking at in 2020? Like, I know you're going to say Brian Jean and uh, Jason Kenny, but do you think the average person cares what's happening internally with the UCP? I don't. I don't think they care what happened in, internally with the UCP, but I do think that there's some very interesting uh, wheels in motion. Um, uh, and I think I might have said this in the pre-interview as well. I, I look at the the moves that Brian Jean's making, and I think that there's more than one layer that's being played here. I, I cannot remember a time in history where I've seen a politician try to seek a nomination by saying that he wants to get rid of the person who he needs permission to run from. Like, it's just, it's, it's the, boy, is the, the, the snake eating its own tail in such a big way on that one. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not convinced that that's, that's the only, the only end game in mind. I think that if Brian Jean gets the nomination. I think he absolutely will try to lead an insurrection from within the, the UCP caucus. But I think that it would be naive to think that he doesn't have other plans in place as well. I mean, there's there's three pathways to forming a provincial party in the province of Alberta. Well, both Two of them are incredibly difficult. One of them, for somebody who's in Brian Jean's position, is very, very easy. Uh, he only needs to get elected in any capacity, whether it's UCP or independent, and then convince two other MLAs uh, to join and form a new new party with him. And bam, there you go. Alberta's got a new conservative option. And Barnes, Todd Lowen. What? 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 <laughs> well, and I'm sure, I'm certain that there are for lack of a better term, Brian Jean loyalists that exist inside the UCP who would be more than happy to go, oh yeah, Kenny is an albatross. His approval ratings are 20%. I want to get reelected. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump over there. We're going to do a whole new branding exercise. It's going to be so great. Nobody's going to know what's going on. Um, I, I think that that's a very real possibility. And I think that that's probably the biggest wild card in the whole thing, because I think that Jason Kenney's in a very interesting position right now with Brian Jean, because either he, if, if Brian Jean wins the nomination, Kenny either has to sign the papers or not. And if he doesn't, oh boy, that's going to get spicy right quick. Um, and if he does, it's going to get spicy right quick. But if he doesn't win the nomination, which is actually what I think is going to happen, I think that, and you're already seeing Brian Jean starting to to soften the ground a bit on that because his social media has been very much, I've heard from so many people who tried to buy memberships and it didn't work. And I've heard from so many people about the system failing. That's not by accident. Um, and I can see very easily Brian Jean saying, I mean, Kenny's given him the narrative where Brian Jean gets to say, we know Jason Kenny fixed the leadership race. The RCMP are still investigating. And I know that Jason Kenny fixed the nomination race. So I'm running as an independent conservative to save Alberta from the NDP wave. And he would win. In Fort Mac, he would win. And God, yeah, dude, dude. Okay. <laughs> I think you're putting too much like, like Brian Jean is the messiah of the collapse <laughs> of uh, the conservative party because I don't think he is at all. I don't think he's at all. I think that the only advantage that I see, I mean, Brian Jean has said some really ugly things 
And the only advantage that I see between Brian Jean and Jason Kenny is at least Brian Jean's honest about what he believes. Jason Kenny will lie to you. Um, but with Brian Jean, you know that, that he's, a, he's a social conservative. Um, you know that he holds some views that I would go ahead and use the word archaic. Um, but you know that. So you know what you're getting. Whereas Jason Kenny, he'll be like, ah, no, I love all of these folks. We just have to out them in school, you know? And uh, then two minutes later, turn around and say, I didn't say that. What are you talking about? I would uh, never out kids. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, as, as much as you were joking about TikTok earlier, and I agree, as, as, a, as a 45-year-old white dude, I, I suck at TikTok, but I did finally find a use for it. Um, earlier in the week because we put together a, a greatest hits clip of uh, Mr. Kenny and it got removed from TikTok for containing hate speech. <laughs> so I like TikTok now. <laughs> I, I during the municipal election, a lot of the candidates after the end, I said, so what's your social media? How can you reach out? And everyone's like, oh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram and TikTok. I'm like, I will link everyone but TikTok. I refuse to fall into this TikTok fame. <sighs> if, you make, got, like, if, if, if the only thing that comes out of this interview is me freaking getting TikTok because I want to see you re- get things removed. Oh my God. <laughs> I weep for society. <laughs> It was, it was so, it was so, because I put it up, because it's a funny video clip. I put it up on all of our channels, uh, because it really is Jason Kenny defeating Jason Kenny in his own words. Uh, and so I was like, you know what? I haven't put anything on our TikTok in like a year, because it's, it's, what we do is not TikTok friendly. Um, but I was like, you know what? Let's, let's throw it up and see what happens. And like 30 minutes later, I get the notification uh, your video has been removed for containing hate speech and inciting violence. And I was like, Oh, this is better. <laughs> this is the news. The right there's the news. Yeah, it was, that was, so that's my, my TikTok experience. Here's uh, a question for you. I'm, because I, I'm turning the tables on you and I'm asking the questions. George, George Chahal. Does, does Mr. Chahal, because I, I jokingly said to my husband this week, because we just installed security cameras, because we had someone come to our house with a gun. Um, I, I, I said, yeah, so I, I said I said to my husband, should we print off a sign that says, um, please be advised, George Chahal, this, ca- this premises was being uh, monitored by video cameras and put that up and try and sell them. But <laughs> he said, no. Um, What's Chahal's endgame here? Because I'm trying to figure out if he if he's gonna stay on. He's gonna stay on. He'll he'll be on for the next until the next election when he gets defeated by a conservative again. But is Chahal ever gonna be cabinet minister ever <laughs> because of this scandal? Because I don't think so. And I think uh, he will. Love him or hate him, but I don't think he will ever be cabinet. Because I of think this, he will. Quote unquote. Um, I say this for two reasons. First of all. There's, there's, the bench isn't super deep in Alberta, um, for the for the liberals. There's, there's two. There's well, that's what I mean. It's, 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 it's not super deep. Okay. I, I was being generous. Um, 
it's not even like I, it's like a it's a bump <laughs> like a pothole for fuck's sakes but but for them to have a foothold in alberta is is important um i think that that you know what you said earlier about give it 15 minutes i think that in, in a year year and a half maybe two years <clears throat> closer to the next election i think that we probably will see him get something like minister of of transportation or some like minor lame sauce portfolio that nobody really really cares about but um so like yeah. minister of tourism sure why not um i think that your fellow alberta liberal mb is currently yeah um i think he'll probably get something like that i think that 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 mr chahal his choices perfectly reflect that reflect the the hubris that we see in too many politicians as as somebody who has done for not only myself but for other candidates a lot of door knocking the automatic assumption and this is a conversation that's happened on every campaign trail that i've ever been on the the automatic assumption is once you're within about 30 feet of someone's door it's recording now and you go to you go to houses and there's more houses that have cameras that don't so to not even have that awareness is really quite remarkable um and it really does the only way that i can account that is is hubris um but man i gotta be honest with you and the the politics as somebody who ran in 2019 um in a constituency that had both sides of deerfoot the way the politics get done on the other side of Deerfoot is very, very different. Um, and the way that I, I have always liked to try to position it is there's no question that there is a much higher number of new Canadians on the east side of Deerfoot than there is on the west. That is a reality. Um, it's, that's not me saying anything that's, that's hyperbolic or inflammatory. It's just the truth. I'll, the vast majority of those people who came here came to Canada to build a better life, to get away from toxic countries and toxic systems of government. That is not to say that there aren't a handful that brought some bad habits back here with them. And it is the overwhelming minority, and I want to be really, really clear on that, some of the most committed people to good democracy and engaged people in good democracy are on the other side of Deerfoot. Um, but there's, there's this, there's also small groups of ones who, who use the same tab. I mean, we, we have a, a, a current MLA who comes from the East side of Deerfoot, uh, who chased food trucks out of his, his constituency. And he said to them straight up, look, I've, I'm the MLA. I can make I can just change the laws and get you kicked out of here. So you don't want to mess with me. Politics attracts, I fundamentally believe, two different types of people. It attracts people who want to influence change. Well, three types of people. It attracts people who want to influence change. It attracts people who want to pump their own tires. And it attracts people who want to abuse power. And, I, and then there's the fourth. What's that one? People who just want to go in there and collect a paycheck. Well, I put that under category number three too. 
Okay, 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 okay. Oh. Um, but, but to me, that's, 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 I don't think that Mr. Chahal has done a good job of demonstrating that he is not in category one, or that he is in category one. I mean, he, and don't even get me started on developers. I could do that all day long. <laughs> yeah. My, 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 so I, I've been trying to figure out the next step in this, right? My, my next step of, we, we have just gone through an election. We now have a new council. And I, I realize the timing here. And I apologize to your listeners if they're still tuned in. Thank you for t- staying with us for this entire time. Um, Jody Gondek, Mayor Gondek, was the queen of appearing on any podcast, every single Reddit AMA, doing multiple Facebook Lives, I'm going to be I'm going to be interested to see if she continues that in her new uh, in her term. Is she still going to be accessible as she was during the election or is she going to be is uh, her office with Stephen Carter going to tie her down, quote unquote, and just sort of keep to the traditional city hall media? And that's what I I don't know. I would be willing to speculate that what we, I haven't seen a Facebook live from Mayor Gondek since she was elected into office. Uh, I haven't seen a, a Reddit thing since she was elected into office. And I would be willing to wager, he said cautiously, that any uh, public engagement is going to be extremely curated. I would argue that, that, that a lot of the campaign stuff was extremely curated. And I think that we're going to continue to see that extremely curated approach is what I'll say. So the reason I say that is you, you, you were on my show, so you know where, I, where I'm possibly going with this. During my show, I said, uh, my first question was, what, what's your first priority if you're elected on October 19th? Mayor Gondek did not say climate emergency, so I'm just going to hold. I'm just going to put that out there and let that sit there for a few minutes. She said mental health was more important, so we'll just we'll just leave it at that. But I asked her, and I think I asked you as well. In a hundred days, what would you want to accomplish? What would you want to accomplish? And you can go back to your electorate and say, "This is what I've accomplished." And I said, "I'm looking forward to having you on if you're elected." to talk about what you've done in the 100 days. So 100 days is February of next year, February 2022. I, I've reached, I've started to reach out to all the candidates who, all the counselors who were elected, who were appeared on my show and some who weren't. And we're doing a whole month long series. And this is gonna be, this is the live breaking news that you're gonna get here first, Nate. We're doing them live. We're gonna actually rent out an auditorium and we're going to ask all the counselors one-on-one to come sit down, interview, be uh, get interviewed by me in February and March, but also have a live audience who can ask their questions. And I'm going to hold my, the counselors to the flames and say, you said you were going to come back on my show. We're just changing up the narrative a little bit. You, you, you shouldn't be afraid to talk to your residents and let's have that conversation. So we, we've got confirmation of one so far that we're gonna do in February, 2022, but the invitation is open to all other 15 counselors and mayor, 14 counselors and mayor to come on the show live in person, socially distanced with the QR codes. We've got that. We are a business. We are set up for to do everything correctly. 
The auditoriums that we're renting out are going to be socially distanced as well, but let's have an actual conversation. And we are going to start changing the narrative here. And we're going to do it in a way that gives the people the voice and not let the media have that conversation anymore. We're going to change it. See, this is why I say uh, you, you set the bar so very high. Uh, and I think it's fantastic because that is no small endeavor. We're, we're hiring a team for these. <laughs> we're not doing this one by myself because this will be two months, three months after my surgery. And I'm not doing this one by myself, but we will have tickets available. Check our social media feeds in the new Very year. cool. Very cool. Um, Chris, I am so looking forward to seeing all of the things that you're going to do. Uh, and I really, really can't say how much I appreciate the fact that you do them. Um, Especially given the, the, I don't even know what the word would be. I don't want to call them obstacles because you just blow right past them. Um, life, life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Life gives you cancer, you fucking put a podcast on. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, I, yeah. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Um, Nate, it, it was a pleasure and an honor. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, some more of uh, the breakdown with Nate Pike and seeing uh, Jason Kenny on your show in video format from time to time. And I, I, I always love when Puppet Kenny comes out. <laughs> he's he's quite popular. He when when he he made his appearance outside of the UCP AGM because uh, they they refunded our ticket for reasons. Um, there was a lineup of people asking to have pictures with him. <laughs> yeah, I heard a lot of people got turned away from that AGM. Um, we are in the process of getting accredited with the Queen's Park, uh, with uh, the Alberta Legislature uh, Press Gallery and the Canadian Press Gallery, so we don't have that option. So if that ever happens again, if we get accreditation, then we'll have to have you make, make sure you just put cross-border interviews instead of... <laughs> Well, you know what? We could, we could, we could do like a tag team thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Twenty twenty two. The breakdown on the cross border. The the cross border breakdown with Nate. There we go. It'll. Be, you know they do have that leadership thing coming up, and uh, yeah, if you need some boots on the ground, I I know a guy. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome, Chris. Is there anything else you'd like people to to know? I I, I feel like. I haven't really given you the opportunity to plug your show. Uh, I feel like there hasn't been enough. <laughs> well, it's the cross border podcast as of January 1st, 2022, because Nate Pike doesn't know what my, the name of the show that he's literally interviewed the host for, but no, uh, check it out on social media, uh, cross border pod on Twitter, Instagram, or if you want to follow me personally, you can see all the pictures of my dogs that I post up. But these literally, that's all I think social media is all about is pictures of puppies and babies. So uh, check it out. We have our website, crossborderinterviews.ca. And yeah, um, just enjoy December 14th episode with retired Senator Mike Duffy. To just full circle it, full circle it. Big red ink. I guess it should be, should probably be blue ink, I suppose, shouldn't it? Blue, red, green, purple. I, I'm a man of many colors, hence why I'm gay. Through the I was, rainbow flag. I, I, I was making a conservative senator joke that didn't land. Oh, I, I got it. I just didn't find it funny. 
It was funny, I swear. Chris, thank you so much again. As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, we would love it if you swung by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash thebreakdownab and signed up for a small monthly sponsorship of the work that we're trying to do here. It is because of the support that we receive from our Patreon sponsors that we're able to continually up our game, and it is tremendously appreciated. So I want to throw a big thank you out to them. And you can go ahead and visit that website and join and support us as well because we need all the help we can get. Thank you so much for your attention. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of these important conversations. And we will see you next time on The Breakdown.